Hey everyone, I'm Justin Trapp. I'm Wade Bearden, and welcome to this episode of Hello Church. It's a special episode, Justin, because we've collected some questions from different listeners, and we're gonna answer those questions about church ministry, about preaching here today. And those are always fun, because you get to really... You get to connect with people who are listening to the podcast, and they get to ask what they want to ask. Special shout out to our Facebook group, The Pastor Circle, Mm -hmm. uh, where a lot of these questions were asked. So if you watch or you listen to the podcast, but you're not a part of The Pastor Circle, it's a Facebook group. It's a great Facebook group, honestly. Uh, Everyone is super helpful, super encouraging. Our team works really hard to make sure we only let the creme de la creme in, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, only let pastors and not the people who are watching their pastors yeah, right? <laughs> and um, it's not a place where we debate theology. No. There are other places online. Sure. This is a place where we edify each other. We ask questions. We talk about, hey, what are you preaching on? How can you approach this text? I, it, it's really cool. I like to skim through it. Um, I'll post on it, but it's also great just to it's great to absorb all of that information, all that wisdom. Yeah, again, it's it's a pastors only Facebook group, about three thousand members, and it's just a fun group. We we try to keep out all the negative Nancys and the brother killjoys, keep them out, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you're not a part of it, uh, you should definitely join. We'll, join. Yeah. We'll put a link in. Uh, the show notes but basically you've got to like abide by the rules let us know where you're a pastor like i said we have a standard for that so answer those facebook questions this is a select group of people and then just have a lot of fun with it. the lord's chosen yeah (laughs) i don't know i would say that uh just jk jk (laughs) so wait justin and wade's chosen justin wade's chosen uh yes so it's fun and and so we got a lot of questions from there as well as some other places and we're going to answer i don't know like five six questions today that are brought up pretty routinely and uh if you're good we we can just kind of jump on in so adrian asked what is the hardest thing about pastoral ministry Hmm. this is a great question maybe we both should answer what's your what was the hardest thing when you were a pastor and we're so just give you a backstory jess and i we've been on staff at multiple different churches we're actually on staff at the same church at one time and now we're volunteer staff at our current church we do ministry past the seminary full-time but we still have a hand in local church ministry and you and I are very different creatures, so I felt like um, our perspectives are probably to, to you know to our, like my perspective is a little bit different than mm-hmm. yours on the the hardest thing about pastoral ministry. Yeah. So I'll, I'll dive in, and I'd love to hear your response. Um, one of the things, Adrian, that I think is the hardest thing about pastoring, whether it's a small church, medium church, even some large churches, but particularly small to medium sized churches or a church plant, is is you have to wear so many hats if you're a pastor. Uh, you've got to wear the hat as the public theologian, the counselor. I mean, gosh, when I my first ministry job, I was 19 years old, maybe pushing 20. I went on staff. I was a junior high uh, pastor at a large megachurch in San Antonio. And one of the hardest things for me is like they had a strong counseling culture there. Huh. And so immediately, I'm a 19-year-old kid, maybe 20. Oh, man. And I'm, I have parents in my office at the ripe age of 20 asking advice on how to deal with their seventh grader. Yeah. Like, wh- <laughs> what? Yeah. And I was just completely in and over my head. And so I just tried to be as gracious as possible and point them, to, you know, if they were more serious matters, to, to counselors in the area. I think we had a counselor that was... um 
uh, you know, recommended by the church. But counseling to me was a really hard thing. Mm-hmm. So now, not only do I have to preach on uh, at, you know, every week, I've got to prepare the message. Uh, I had to do all the creative slides. I literally learned how to be a graphic designer on at this church. And so I'm, I'm doing the slides and I'm doing counseling, which I feel completely out of my element. And I've got to organize events. Right, so um, we we were a large church, had a lot of staff, but my particular department it was sort of autonomous, right? So we had a junior high lock-in party or whatever uh, the event was. I was the one that was organizing it, and so you have all these hats, right? And I think any of us, right, we can do a lot of things and wear many hats for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. But if you're a pastor and you've been pastoring for twenty years, and you're at a small to medium-sized church. And you've been wearing multiple hats for 20 years. Th- that really has accumulation effect on you. And I think that's hard. And so that's one of the main reasons why we launched Ministry Pass. We created Ministry Pass. I mean, honestly, I had the idea for myself. Like I needed, mm-hmm. I needed some margin in my life. I needed somebody to help me. Yes, I got really good at graphic design. I got really good at creative things. Uh, I was an okay preacher. And so should I be doing the graphics? Well, I could do them, but should I be doing them, right? I I could do the counseling, but should I be doing the counseling? I begin to ask myself these questions, and slowly but surely this idea of Ministry Pass came along where we could partner with pastors and church leaders and help them save some time, get some margin back. Like, you you could do these things that Ministry Pass provides, but should you do them? Mm -hmm. And that's where we kind of landed on that. So for me, the hardest part about pastoring is just wearing so many hats for so many years. Yeah, yeah. No, it is funny. Like, you're 19, and parents are asking you about how to, like, develop their teenager you're like technically like i'm still a teenager (laughs) i'm 19 it was odd you know i i started a little bit later i was 22 when i became a full-time youth pastor and just not necessarily being ready for all of the really wild issues that teenagers experience like they were just complete I, i just kind of grew up in like a sheltered home went to a bible college like teenagers really deal with crazy stuff and and that was like before Instagram yeah. or maybe Instagram had first started. There wasn't TikTok or Snapchat. Like it just, it, it's, I mean, it's crazy. So for me, uh, I think part of, one of the hardest parts is I'm, I'm kind of an introverted individual. And uh, I don't, you know, the idea of like spit, going to people's houses and doing visitations and kind of having long conversations with individuals, like that's just a little bit different for me. It's a little bit harder. And so you might be like me where if, you know, you go to church on Sunday in the afternoon, you're just like, I, like I've talked way too much today. Like I just don't want to talk to anybody. And so that was always difficult. And so like two, th- two things that has helped me is um the first thing is just getting people around you who are strong maybe where you're weak so if like i'm more of a teacher getting someone who's more relational and that's that's really a gift like there there's someone in your church where there's a pastor that could be on staff who has the ability to like they're like the connector they know everybody and uh you need someone like that to kind of help you and the second thing is i just had to like grow one thing that Justin that I sometimes worry about with like personality tests, if we're not careful, we could say, hey, this the bad way to use personality tests is we say, 
this is who I am, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I think the, a better way to use a personality test is say, this is my weakness, and I need to change that. And so it, I realized it, it, was in enough, it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, that's just not who I am. I realized I had to change certain aspects of my personality to love people better. So that was, that was a really big challenge, and it's still a challenge today. Um, but yeah, that's one of the harder aspects. I, I mean, I, there are a lot of hard aspects. I don't, I don't know if I would say that's the hardest, but one of the harder aspects for me. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, we got a question from Pastor Luke, and this is a really good one, especially now. He says, what topics should be covered on a weekly podcast or video for my congregation? Now, a lot of times we think of like a podcast we think of just a sermon, and and you can do that. But if you are trying to disciple your people throughout the week, what can you? What topics? What what conversations can you have? What can you cover? I think it's a, I think it's a good question. Uh, one of the questions I have to ask back to you, Luke, and so answering a question with another question okay. is really what type of podcast are you wanting to produce? So are you wanting to produce a devotional podcast where you're doing? Um, what was it? I mm-hmm. feel like you know the Christian radio station here used used to have like the was it Chuck Swindoll or one of those past? They had probably had yeah. a, I think they had a couple where it yeah. was just like a thirty second clip or something yeah like that. yeah. Maybe you want to do longer than thirty seconds, but like a three minute devotional. Do you want to do a three minute devotional every day and, and Monday through Friday? Do you want to do that type of podcast? Do you want to do a podcast where it's sermon highlights? Now, a lot of churches, they'll take the stream of the sermon and they'll po- throw it up on iTunes or mm-hmm. Spotify, and like as is, right? So no really editing, and it's just the sermon in its full length. Uh, you know, that's okay, I would say. Uh, that's probably the path of least resistance, but maybe the path of, you know, um, least fruit, I would say. Like, it, it, sometimes people want something that's a little bit more digestible, and and so there could be another angle for you. Not saying everyone that, that does a sermon stream podcast is, is bad. I mean, I, I think, like, in the very least, we do that, right? Mm-hmm. But there are other op- opportunities there. So you could do a sermon highlight. So maybe actually condense your sermon and play the best sections or the best... Uh, moments so to speak from so like let's say it's a seven minute clip from this past sunday something like that would be cool and then maybe you you record an intro and an outro sort of setting up the clip mm-hmm. that would be cool uh you could do a talk show so yeah we kind of have our prepared notes but it's you and i back and forth so maybe you're co-hosting with somebody on mm-hmm. staff or someone <clears throat> in the community uh you could do an interview podcast where you're interviewing different people on different topics. So I would, that's really my first question to your question is like, what type of podcast do you want to do? And I think if you're a church leader, if you're a pastor, you could do any of these and you probably should consider doing any of these. I wish there were more pastors that hosted podcasts mm-hmm. in the public square, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I think too, like the perspective is who who's the podcast for? And a lot of times, I think when we do streaming or podcasts, it's for individuals outside of the church, and we're trying to reach—I don't know—maybe people around the country. And, and and I think that's fine. I think for most churches, 
uh, it's probably good to create resources for those individuals inside the church. So you can still release a stream of your sermon because there are people who are unable to attend or they were out, so that's good. But what are those things that you can do to help disciple your people? So if you think through that way, um, it gives you a lot of ideas. You can do a behind the sermon podcast where you, you talk about some of the research that you did that didn't make it in the sermon. Maybe maybe get a little more hefty in the Bible text. You really just kind of dig in there and it helps people to really grow in their knowledge of God's word, uh, interviewing individuals from your church. If you're doing a series on marriage, maybe interview a counselor. You're just really trying to to take what you're talking about and and really push it further. So I would say doing something like that could be fantastic for your people. It could even be a, a series. Maybe, you know, when we were younger, we used to go to church on Wednesday night. I know some churches still do that. There are other churches that don't. So maybe if you don't, or even if you do, maybe do a devotional type series where you just you start a series on the book of James or a book of the Bible or a passage of the Bible and you just kind of work through that. So it's this extra piece of discipleship for for your people. I I think if you go along that route, you say, what can I do to empower my people? It'll give you some cool ideas. You could also think in terms of seasons. So just like you do sermon series, it's a you know, a certain amount of weeks on a particular topic or working through a book of the Bible, you could do a season, like season one of your mm-hmm. church podcast, and that has a sort of theme. So it has a beginning and an end, and so you don't have to do it forever, but you commit to 10 episodes, so to speak, right? And then you, you maybe you record all of them in two days, but you publish them over a 10-week period. That could be something that you look at, and that, that's really great, because then people can consume that, work through that, have some sort of sense of accomplishment, and then wait for season two to come out, so. Yeah. Uh, we have another question. Uh, how can pastors also do the work of an evangelist? Second uh, Timothy 4, 5. How's that practically outworked? Th- that's a good question, and I'm not necessarily gifted super well in that area, but I've come across a number of pastors who are. And there, there was one pastor in particular, he pastored down the street from where I was years ago, and he just always talked to people about Jesus. He was an evangelist. Uh, and in fact, he stopped being a pastor at that church to be a full-time evangelist, just because that was where his, his, uh, his gifting was. And so he just took opportunities to go to the same coffee shop like every day, uh, go to the same places every day, talk to the same people every day. So if you're going to the grocery store, you try to find that one uh, cashier. If you go into the uh, coffee shop, that one barista, and just constantly kind of just building those relationships. Uh, So that's one way to do it on a, a personal basis. If you're thinking about as a church, something that I'm really big on is preaching uh, evangelism, evangelistic messages, even if you feel like you don't have a lot of new people in the church. Uh, so if you're preaching and you regularly take time in your message to address people who are not Christians, so you say, hey, for those of you who are not Christians who are here, we're really happy you're here. Here's why you should listen to this message today. Or at the end of your message, you say, if you're here and you know you don't know uh, Christ, 
Uh, let, me, let me just take a moment to explain the gospel to you. When you start doing those things, you send a signal to your people and you say, hey, like this is a place for you to bring your friends. Or you send this message to, to new guests, hey, this is a place where we like, we're actively geared towards addressing you. So I think you just in your preaching, that's kind of a simple thing. It's just, hey, we're every single week we're gonna address those people who don't know Christ. And it's not gonna be just at the very end where we say, hey, if you're not a Christian, it's throughout the message. We're explaining things to people as we're walking through the Bible. So what does that also mean? It means that you probably don't jump around the Bible as much in a single message. So it's not that you begin in Luke and you're like, let me also talk to you about Job. Remember what happened to Job? Also, remember that story with Abraham? The people who are new are gonna be like, no, I don't remember that story. Uh, so really kind of taking that and addressing that. And then I, I think the, the next thing too is if you plan events, plan events that don't just happen in the church, but events where you reach out to your community, you know, you're building baskets and for teachers and you're uh, serving the less fortunate, just really kind of building your church in the structure and the events and the messages uh, outwardly too. So uh, those are a couple of ideas uh, yeah. that I've had over the years, I've seen over the years. I love those ideas. Uh, I have a little story. So when I was a photographer many, many years ago, 10, 10 or more years ago, I was doing commercial sports photography and I was also doing weddings and I paid a photographer that was very successful in our area and I said, hey, critique my website and let me know where I can improve. You know, how, how can I take better photographs? And he said, no, you, you take really good photographs. He said, mm -hmm. your photos are awesome. Your technique is awesome. He said, you have on your website UFC fighters and brides and mm -hmm. family portraits. He said, what do you want to do? <laughs> he said, there's a, there's a large gap between USC fighters and brides. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't really want to do weddings. And he said, okay, remember this phrase. And it, when you just talked through about speaking to guests as if they're there, even though there may not be any, mm -hmm. he said, project what you want to attract. Mm -hmm. He said, if you want to shoot uh, sports marketing photography, then you need to scrub everything off your website and you project that and you'll begin to book clients that have that sort of need set. They come to your website and they're getting married and they don't see any other brides, they're not gonna come back to your website, right? So when you said that, you know, have an environment, especially when you're preaching that your people know like, hey, it's okay to invite my neighbor. Like actually my neighbor would be very comfortable during a sermon uh, at, at my church. That, that sort of lets them know like, hey, you can invite them and it'd be okay. And um, mm -hmm. I, I think that'd be fun because we've all, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when I was a kid, I would be humiliated, right? When I'd invite my friends to church and, you know, I grew up in a charismatic church uh -huh. and you know where I'm going, right? Yeah. So you invite the, you, you work really hard for like six months, eight months, your friend finally comes and then like everybody's like falling out on the floor and mm. they're freaked out and they never like, like refuse to talk about church with mm. me. Uh, refused to come back, like I'm not having any part, like scared them to death, mm -hmm. right? And I felt like all of that work that I put into yeah. that relationship, and then I finally invited them, and it was one of those things where, um, you know, it, we had some youth speaker, it's like, invite your friends, but that was like not the right night to invite your friends, so. Yeah. Um, I digress. And, well, and, and, and too, as a pastor, you're, you're creating sermon series, and letting your people kind of know what's coming uh, is, is really good. Like if you say, hey, this next week, 
I want to talk about giving, but it's going to be more like an internal thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably not going to bring my friend that week, but maybe the next week. Yeah. Uh, because we've all had that where you bring a friend to church and it's like all about raising money and it just feels yeah. like it just, it's just a different service than, than maybe what you were expecting. Yeah. Uh, another, another question said, can, it was well, not really, yeah, it is a question. You said, can you discuss finding leaders versus developing leaders? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, one of the hardest things about leading an organization, whether you're pastoring a church or you have a business, you know, we have ministry pass and seminary, we have a team, we have what, 10, 11 full-time people mm-hmm. and then about 20-something part-time people, remote people yeah, that work on our, yeah, contractors. Yeah. So we have close to 40 people that we're working with ongoing, right? The hardest thing leading organization is is really this issue right finding great people um and mm-hmm. developing them while they're with you i think it's tough and i think how you um how you develop people is really a matter of your culture it's it's about intentionality you have to be intentional about uh, progressing people along and and making it a culture that w- where if someone's not growing if they're not stretching themselves if they're not bettering themselves uh then it's sort of obvious right to everyone it's not just obvious to you yeah it's i mean it's also it's tough because it's like discipleship uh like there's no you do this this and this and it works it's different for every person uh i think what you said justin is just being intentional about it and setting aside those times to where you can you can say hey like I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about your future and like, let's kind of work towards that. So really kind of being intentional, being individual, it takes a lot of time, but when you do it, when you develop leaders, then they'll help develop other leaders. So it kind of like multiplies it. Um, that, that's a, that's a huge question. This next one is a, is a huge question as well. Uh, how serious of an issue is sermon plagiarism? And I think we've all kind of talked a lot about that in the last couple of years. I definitely have probably strong opinions on it. Um, so you and my, you and I might have differing opinions on it yeah, too, which is great. That's true. So what? So plagiarism, right? Is is taking a creative or unique idea from someone else, or taking their words? and not giving credit to them, passing them off as your own. Now this does not go uh, to like general information. So there are 66 books in the Bible. You don't need to quote anybody to say that, but specific quoted words or creative ideas from other people that are unique to them. And so for instance, if I'm writing a new book and I take something from Timothy Keller from one of his books and I put it into my book and I don't say that it's from him and I don't quote him, then that of course is plagiarism. Uh, and, and so the question that we've been uh, seeing in, in churches is pastors who will take sermons from Timothy Keller or well-known individuals and will r- repeat almost verbatim uh, some of those sermons and some sections of the sermons so that's caused to stir. So, stir. so that's kind of like the groundwork here for that. My opinion is, is if you pull something from somebody else, 
just quote him. Like it's super easy. Like if if you are listening to a sermon by Matt Chandler and he says something really good, all you have to say in your message, all you have to say is, hey, I was listening to this message by Matt Chandler. He said this great line and it's so good, I wanna share it with you. And you share it. And when you do that, what happens, I think it actually strengthens your sermon. So instead of saying, I just came up with all this stuff on my own, you're letting your people know, hey, I value God's word and this sermon so much that I'm, I'm trying to learn from other people. I'm trying to read books and I'm gonna collect that information because I wanna give it to you. And I think, I think personally, like that's, that goes a lot longer. Uh, it goes further. Uh, when we do those things, so yeah, just you know, quote quote the people that you that you uh, use material from. Yeah, I, I mean, so I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. I have nothing to disagree with on that. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> um, as it relates to the sermon plagiarism thing, you know. I, if you're going to share someone else's story, like as your own story, like that's absolutely like, please do not do that. Like, so I was uh, getting mugged by two people yes. in the outback. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, that's absolutely not right. And um, I would say that's like, you know, textbook definition of plagiarism, right? I think there is this. I, 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 maybe like in all things in our culture right now, everything can be like get so extreme and we can start analyzing every little thing. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- for me, it, I always thought it was funny that the congregation or in church, you know, in church world, like we expect the pastor to go up to the prayer tower like Moses or something, get a word from the Lord and come back and he preaches the message. But like if the worship pastor uses Bethel, uh, or Hillsong songs, like there's an assumption there that they're using um, uh, repurposed materials or content, but the pastor, it's like a word from the Lord. And, I, and that's not to say that God doesn't speak to you, pastor, and give you uh, something to share with your congregation. But I think if you're preaching 52 times a year, which most pastors are preaching over 40 times a year, like that's really hard. Um, you know, you. There's no need to try and be super creative on everything. And like Wade said, it's okay to to say, hey, I, I heard this somewhere. I, I, for example, I preached a sermon that was literally probably a close um, replica of a sermon by Louis Giglio. It was a sermon that he had preached, um, a passion, I believe, maybe a few places. And he did this bit where it's like whales and stars, and he started to like, scientists had found all these pulsars and they were listening to like the rhythm and the acoustics in these these stars. They were making these sounds, right? And then he sort of combined all these sounds into a music player. And then he laid, you know, Chris Tomlin, "How Great Is Our God," over it, and it all like worked harmoniously together. That's obviously a very, very unique and creative idea. And so I did begin the message. And I said, "Hey, everything I'm going to share today is something I found." fascinating from a, a guy named Louis Giglio. And so I sort of preface it with that, right? Like the the things that he shared that I heard, I'm sharing with you. And I had people contact me years after and they would say, hey, do you remember that sermon that you preached uh, at Northwood that yeah. one time with the whales and the stars? And and I would never point them to the link where I'd preach that. I'd say, hey, yeah, I actually got that from Louis Giglio. Here's the link to it. And you can find it on YouTube. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's, it's all about 
it's all about well the assumptions and also like are you pointing so whenever someone comes up and sings a song it's the general assumption of everyone there that this is not their song and usually when uh someone in church sings that song like a new song or a unique song they're always like hey this is a song that we wrote right they're you know pretty happy about it. and that's why you buy the ccli license and sometimes you even put that little marker on the bottom too so it's that assumption and i've been a part of churches there's, there's one where a preaching professor got up and he said hey I heard this sermon by one of my colleagues on this passage that I'm preaching today, and it was so good. I asked for his notes. He gave them to me, and I'm going to preach the general outline of his message. I'm going to include some personal stories, but the chunk of the research is from him just because it was so amazing. And because we all knew that, and because he didn't do that every single week, we were like, okay, that's really cool. Like he's He's, and, the, and the message was great. Like We know why he repeated it, because it was a really good one. So I think it's all about letting people know up front. And it goes back to plagiarism. What is it? It's not just sharing someone else's material. It's doing it without citing them. So when you start to cite people, it clears things up. And there are going to be times when you repeat something and you think it might be unique to you. And you're like, oh man, you know what? Come to find out five years ago, you heard that line in a minute. It happens sometimes. But I think the general attitude of like, it's not all about me. I'm going to do my best to tell people this is from St. Augustine. You know, this is from Mark Batterson. This is something I heard on NPR. Like that, that just goes a long way. And when we write material in ministry pass, we, we don't write full sermons, but we always cite everything so that, you know, if we put a study down uh, by a psychologist, we'll link to that study so that when you repeat that material, you can say, hey, Here's this is actually a study that was done. You can find information in this journal, but here's the study, and um, that helps pastors while also making sure like they they cite things properly. Well, I'm glad you brought up ministry pass because we've had a few people, problem, yeah. not just a few, several people ask like if I use ministry pass, you know, and I don't cite you guys. Is that plagiarism? I even saw some guy on Twitter was like he's leaving his church because he just found out his pastor uses something called ministry pass, like the gall of a pastor to use a yeah. sermon to help. Uh, so he was literally leaving his church because he found out his pastor used us. And so what do you say to the pastor that says, hey, do I need a site ministry pass? Because I understand the tension, right? Before, yeah. before you answer that, I understand the tension that you, you that we have this notion in society. Again, the pastor goes up to the lighthouse and he comes mm-hmm. down with the word. At least that's, that's the perception your people have. And, you know, why why should you be their pastor if you're just letting them know that hey i heard this from craig rochelle and i'm re-preaching it or i'm you know i got his notes uh why why shouldn't craig rochelle be our pastor then if you're Mm -hmm. just re-preaching his sermon so like i get that tension especially when you have sites like open where they give you his full transcript i don't they don't do anyone any favors i don't think and i believe they do amazing work Mm -hmm. but i don't know if it's really helpful to you in your study to provide you a 23 page transcript Mm -hmm. i think it's almost better that you start with frameworks and then you develop it through your own unique voice than to try and uh, deconstruct someone's entire message or re-preach their message verbatim. Mm-hmm. Like it just takes so much work. Why, you know, I, I'm getting off topic here. Well, but. and 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 this brings up an interesting point too. 
unless you have the permission, you actually can't take someone's message and preach it verbatim. Like that, they own that. So you can't do that. Now, places like Open or Andy Stanley, like they say you can have it, you have permission to do it. Yeah. And maybe they have parameters. So there so is think, kind of a. I think Andy Stanley's last time I checked was a thousand words consecutively, which is a lot of words, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That's basically verbatim. They're actually, right? give, he's like giving you permission in a lot yeah. of ways to preach minutes at a time. Yeah. With no words changed. Yeah. So going back to the ministry past question. So if, if you've ever seen our guides, uh, we give you uh, like what we call a sermon series guide. So it's not a transcript. It's not a script. But it outlines, hey, if you're preaching through the book of Acts, we just released a 50-week Acts series. It cuts the book of Acts up into 50 weeks. Or if you have a series about... Um, mental health in the Bible. It'll cut it up into four weeks and say, here's the passage and here's research that we've done. Here's a quote from a commentary. Here's a quote from a study. Here's an illustration idea and you can link to that. It's on smithsonian.mag.com, whatever it is. Uh, And so pastors have an opportunity to take that and really just kind of make it their own. And and then too, I I think it's just the general perception. if you use ministry baths, like you don't need to hide it. You can tell your board, say, hey, th- these people have created something that will uh, help me as I prepare more effective minis- uh, messages and helps me as I do research on my message, just like I would read a commentary. And just the idea of like, hey, we're this is not just about me. You know, all these believers are coming together. And, and so those are just c- kind of some thoughts. I know that this is an issue that's probably not going to be settled anytime soon. And We'll find out in the next couple, you know, in the next year, I'm sure there's going to be a big pastor who's used somebody else's message. It'll be on YouTube and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It just, it kind of irritates me when things get out of control with it. I think you have to have integrity. You have to be wise in how you communicate it, obviously. But let's not get crazy with it. Uh, you know, if your board has an issue with you using ministry pass, you can say, okay, well, we can go hire a graphic designer for 40 grand a year. I can hire researchers that can help me. And, and uh, you can hire an admin assistant. You can hire someone to do the video, and it's going to cost substantially more than it would be for Ministry mm-hmm. Pass. We, you don't have to cite Ministry Pass, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we, you know, our aim is to give you a, a launching pad, like Wade mentioned, some of the things we provide. But you still have to develop that sermon through your own unique voice. We do give you the tools and the assets, mm-hmm. and the it, it's like. It's like we're giving you the ingredients, right, to bake a cake. But you've still got to bake the cake. You've still got to stir the ingredients together. You've still got to do the work, right? Then and you add, we'll probably add more ingredients yes, to it. Yes, you will. You're going to add your own flavor to it, right? Mm-hmm. I love these cooking metaphors. Yeah. Uh, and I'm hungry now. <laughs> but, yeah, we do give you some ingredients, and the rest is up to you, right, to, to, to make that your own. Um, I don't believe you're getting into any sort of plagiarism territory there. But if you hear Andy Stanley share a story about his daughter and, you know, <laughs> running her car into the garage or something, or his son, you know, uh, doing something stupid, and you share that story as your own, that's not right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, let's let's uh, be a little wise about this. And, 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 and yeah, be wise. If, if you're, like I said, if you're quoting something, the the wise thing to do is just easily say, oh yeah, I read this quote somewhere. And if you don't remember it, 
and you're like, I know somebody said this, and yeah. like, if I post this, somebody's gonna say, oh, you could just say, you know, I heard somewhere, I don't remember where, but there was this story. It, it's really easy. Totally. It's like this short little thing. Uh, so that's a lot on that. We have one more question about uh, staffing. Yeah. And and I think we're gonna answer from our perspective as pastors, but also just as leaders of ministry past seminary. So I love this question. This comes from John Harris. He said, what are things you've done or seen done to create a working environment where staff and volunteers feel safe to give you honest feedback about your leadership and church culture? I love this question, John. Mm -hmm. And I'll start it with a story. I had... From Andy Stanley. (laughs) There it is. is. I had had a pastor on staff with me. He was older than me. uh, Asked me one time. He was the pastor of the worship arts. And he wanted me to give him feedback on the worship team. He knew that... I'd, I'd been um, I'd been in music production and recording an album, and you know I was on the creative side of things a lot, and so I was sort of the new guy, right? And he asked me my opinion and wanted to give him, you know, my honest feedback is what he said about the worship team and things that they could improve. So me being young and dumb, I told him, and he didn't talk to me for like three weeks after that. <laughs> I think that is like maybe a a a common experience from people, and so. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you as a leader ask for feedback, they, they retract, right? Mm-hmm. They are they are gun shy. In fact, um, at another job I had later in life, I, I was asking people, hey, what can I do to be a better leader? And I would always feel like that question made people nervous. Like they would just like, uh, uh, scared, scared to answer? I don't know. You're, you're amazing, you're awesome. Like you, you do all the nice things, right? Mm-hmm. And they're scared. I think to answer your question, John, it has to be a culture of growth, from everybody it has to be a, a an intentionality that you've put in place it has to be like a non it can't be just one thing that you talk about once a year i guess that's what i'm trying to say it's yeah. got to be something that's talked about all the time regularly and that there's a feedback loop and you're having evaluations mm-hmm. you know one thing that we don't do as well as we could is just official evaluations yeah. and like honest conversations but i think part of that is because i I'm such an open book or like we have such a, like an open door policy that we're always talking about ways to get better. And I, me personally, I have growth as a value of mine. And, and so I'm always talking about like, Hey, how can I do things better? I'm always, you know, willing to say, Hey, you know what? I messed that up or, you know, I, I didn't do the right thing here. This way was better. I think it's probably my mo and so it it may become a little easier for our group our our Mm. team may disagree they may say you know what i haven't been able to share my true thoughts with justin in a long time Mm -hmm. but i feel like our culture here is conducive for for giving honest feedback i think the best thing that if you're wondering about this the best thing you can do is is there's a book called radical candor and you've read it yes yes uh and she does a great job of this. Her thing is, it always starts at the top. So she'll she'll tell people, hey, I want you to come to this meeting and give me specific uh, criticisms on what I can do better. And she says, like, we're not going to leave the meeting until you do. Yeah. And so what she does is she she accepts it first. And when she accepts it, it makes it easier for her to give that away. And yeah. she has all these parameters on how she does it. But you should you should it always starts with the leader and you should you should read that book radical candor it's amazing it it it's won't great. it won't happen naturally and fast like you can't like pull the team into the office or do like one-on-one evaluations and expect for the first time that you try to elicit constructive honest feedback from them that they're going to give it to you 
it's got to be something that happens regularly and then you'll see their guard come down and they'll give you more of an honest opinion they might not ever really tell you to be honest with you they're never going to really tell you but you might get more honest feedback if it's intentional if it's regular if it's consistent uh, because they'll be used to it yeah well that is our q a session for today we'd love to do more episodes like this so you can always comment on our youtube channel on our page if you're watching this on youtube with some questions you have about ministry you can head on over to the pastor circle if you haven't joined that make sure you join that and you can ask us questions i'd like to do more episodes great questions more episodes like this we mentioned this before we got some great stuff coming in the new year one of those things is Sermonary 2.0. If you don't know what Sermonary is, check out our previous episode. Sermonary is a cloud-based sermon writing word processor and presenter. It is amazing. It's going to change the way you write your messages. It really is. It's fantastic. Better, easier to use than Microsoft Word, Google Docs. It's designed specifically for pastors. Check out that previous episode. We're going to be launching Sermonary 2.0 in the new year. But here's what you can do. You can go to Sermonary, try it out for free, lock into a free trial. If you're using Sermonary, when we upgrade to Sermonary 2.0, you don't need to buy it again or sign up again. It'll automatically update to Sermonary 2.0. That's happening. That's fantastic. You'll be able to use Sermonary 2.0 before anybody else. So make sure you do that. Also, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Give us any questions you might have. If you want to connect with us on Instagram, you can do that on Twitter. And you can use the hashtag HelloChurchPod. Hashtag HelloChurchPod. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.